It's a new year for the U.S. men's national team, and we even saw a new formation. But unfortunately, we did not see a win. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? Going pretty well, Garrett. It's uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I know a lot of uh, soccer fans are also football fans, and we're watching the game. Uh, I actually did watch the game, even though I don't watch football anymore, but I did watch the game because you have to see the commercials. And we are not going to spend much time talking about the Super Bowl because there's plenty of soccer to talk about. I, actually, I thought the commercials were pretty bad this year. They were okay. They were a little weird. Some of them were a little weird. Some of, the whole the dead kid one was a little like creepy. Um, Which but, one was that again? No, the one where like you know the kids like oh I, I didn't get to do this or I didn't get to do that because I died. <laughs> like it's like, I don't remember that one at all. It was early on. It's one of the I, I actually retweeted a meme off of that. That was pretty hilarious. All right. And if you and if you and if you see the tweeted the meme and you didn't see the commercial, you're gonna have no idea what the hell that means. But uh, but yeah, no, there there were some good ones. I mean, the, I'll tell you what, some of the movie. Movie trailer ones. I mean, like the. I mean, the Terminator. They they're, can't believe Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting tried out for another Terminator. Uh, but the the next Fast and Furious movie. Yes. It looks pretty crazy. Uh, that one I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I, I thought the trailer for the draft where they drafted the animals like Noah's Ark. I did like that one. That was all right. The one, <laughs> the one with the guy and on the airplane with <laughs> with the. Uh, at oh yeah, that was hilarious. And the Doritos. <laughs> that was. I give. I, I remember that one. That one. That one was pretty funny. The Doritos ones are always pretty good, though. Yeah, they do a good job. Yeah, pretty- all right, Ivis. So, enough American football talk. Time to talk soccer. Uh, we didn't have a show since the last time the U.S. men's national team played. So, we're going to recap the game. U.S. came out new formation under Jurgen Klinsmann. And dropped three to two to Chile on the road down in South America. I was unfortunately new formation worked for half, second half. Things kind of fell off the rails for a little bit. Well, actually, they fell off the rails pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 basically the game went how you would have expected it to go if you were kind of looking at it going into the game. You know, you have a U.S. team that's not there in preseason form fitness uh they're going up against the chile team that while the chile team is not their first team it's none of their european stars it's all domestic players you still have a pretty solid team and you have a team that was in shape and we saw right around the 55th 60th minute chile just take control and uh it wasn't just about the fitness though it was actually uh in my opinion the the fact that klinsman kind of went away from what was working well in the first half you know he started with a 352 mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the three five two looked pretty good. I thought it, it thought it, there were some positive signs. It wasn't like perfect. It wasn't amazing, but it, it, it was positive. They had there were positives to be taken from the forty five minutes they spent in the in the three five two. Uh, Klinsman decided to switch to a four four two in the second half, and I, I just I just don't think they ever had it in the uh, in the second half with that with that system. So you know it, there there were positives. There were obviously negatives. There's nothing to be going crazy about. There's nothing to start. You know. Uh, already having the kind of you know chicken little uh, this team is a mess kind of situation. Look, this team is in transition. This team is sorting itself out, trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out players. You're trying to figure out systems. Uh, so from that standpoint, as a first game, obviously the, the results disappointing. But I think Klinsman got what he wanted to get out of it in terms of how the three five two would look and how certain players would look in the system. And, and now's the time to experiment for Jurgen Klinsman. But bring it back to the formation, Ivis. Uh... Look, the three five two, and yes, I will agree. There, there were signs that were promising, but for the most part, 
Um, the U.S. was a little bit ineffective outside from that, you know, wonderful pass from Matt Beasler. Brick Shea after that was, you, you know, he was absent. Um, DeAndre Edlin had his moments, but but kind of really couldn't put it together. And then and then Jurgen goes that four four two, and I mean that that's difficult to stick Yedlin and Breck Shea on the back four after running the entire match. That to me was just extremely confusing. Why Jurgen would do that to this team? Right. I mean, I agree. You you put together a team that really. I mean, when he named the roster, you kind of looked at it and said, well. This looks like he's going to go with a three-five-two. He put a team together that uh, that you just didn't have the components for a four-four-two. Once he switched to, to, to the four-four-two, all of a sudden you have Breck Shea trying to play left back, which he's not a left back. Uh, you have Yellen at right back, and we have seen that he can be a liability defensively. So b- between those two things, and then you have Jermaine Jones trying to play him as a deeper midfielder, mm-hmm. and we've seen through the years that Jermaine Jones as a deep lying midfielder. Uh, he just kind of freelances too much. He, he's just not reliable there. The reason I think he did really well in the World Cup is because he was given he was given kind of a role to freelance. You had Kyle Beckerman who really did the dirty work, and then you had and you gave Jermaine Jones that freedom to go anywhere he wanted, and, and that really maximized his impact. And when you have Jermaine Jones not being kind of that foundation for the midfield, uh, staying deep and 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 cleaning up the messes behind uh, behind the playmakers. Uh, it left the U.S. in trouble quite a few times. But for me, the three-five-two, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. Brett Shea and Yedlin as wingbacks. Uh, obviously, Shea, he needs work. He, he hasn't played in a long time. Um, I know Klinsman obviously was raving about him after the match. He showed some signs, but overall, it wasn't a good. I don't think no, it was a good outside one. of the it goal. Was it, was, goal. Eh. it was a great goal, but overall, not a good, not really no. good point. And as far as Yellen goes, Yellen did show some things in the first half, but in the second half, he was abused. He was abused. I mean, he had realistically, you could say he had a hand in all three goals because on the first goal, uh, in the first half, he could have pressured the crosser a bit better. And then in the second half, both the goals and both goals in the second half were completely <laughs> yeah. on him. Uh, you know, the first one he just got toasted, and on this and on the the winner, he he, he falls asleep. And if you watch the replay. Um, you know, you have a uh, will trap, you know, you could blame him a little bit cause he, he, he could have done better on the sequence leading up to the shot. Romando saves, but then Romando makes the save and yet Yedlin gets caught napping flat, plain and simple caught napping. Mark Gonzalez jumps in, scores the goal. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, those guys, the four, four, two was an absolute disaster. Uh, and one thing I point out and I, and I said it, I wrote it in my goal.com piece, uh, off of the match uh, a day after the match was, you know, we'll never know. Because the three five two, you know, it, it, even if he had stuck to three five two, uh fatigue could have broken that group down. Because it wasn't as if Chile wasn't creating chances against three five two. So in theory you could definitely argue that, hey, maybe the US falls apart regardless of the formation. Having said that, you almost kinda knowing Klinsman and knowing how Klinsman operates, you always kinda want to look at the deeper potential ulterior motives in the moves that he makes. And it wouldn't. I would not put it past Klinsman to have switched out of the three-five-two because he got a solid forty-five out of it, and and he could come away from the match look at, pointing to that and saying, "Hey, it worked. Hey, it looked good. I can try it going forward." And he avoided he avoided making it look bad by switching to a four-four-two once the tired legs hit and what once the team really kind of lost itself. Uh, with the tired legs, so I mean, not you know. The, so for me, I th- it wouldn't shock me if Klinsman had that in mind when he switched to the four four two. But yeah, no. Once 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 they made that switch, I mean, it was it was Chile just just went to town. That's like crazy deep if Jurgen's thinking like that. 
No, but it's kind of it's sad. It makes you know, se- I know it makes sense, sense, but it's just it's, so, it's look, like... he is he he's everything with it. He he's very uh he's very calculated, and you know he's 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 not just some happy-go-lucky guy who smiles and laughs all the time. He's always he's a conniving guy, and like I tell you, it would not shock me if that 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 was part of the thinking. It's like, look, all right, we got a good solid forty-five out of three-five-two. Let's get, let's put it back in the you know put it back in the in the trunk. And and then we'll bring it out again against Panama against the you know what, what should be a bit of an easier opponent. So we'll see. I mean, it wasn't all negative. I thought there were some pretty good performances. I yeah. tell you what, Steve Birnbaum. Yes. Uh, for a first cap, I thought he played really well. Uh, having you know having had a chance to watch it a second time and uh, really kind of pay, pay closer attention to specific players, I really thought he stood out. Mm-hmm. I know he had that kind of play where he nearly volleyed the ball in into his own net, and Nick Romano grabbed it. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he was pretty solid. He was, he, he was a little shaky in the first half, but he was much better in the second I half. Shaky. I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. I don't think really? he was shaky. I, I thought in the first 20, 30 minutes, I felt like it took him a little time to adjust to the match. I thought the second half was when he kind of really I, started to I, I, you know, I thought he had to do a lot of running, but he never got beaten. He never got beaten. So I, like, what, so what are the plays that he looked shaky? Uh, I, mean, I thought his body position, like this is more like kind of technical, I, I, technical, I, I, but his passing I, between him and Jermaine Jones was... No, fine. Decision making wise, he's not perfect. But what the hell do you want from a guy playing in a system for the first time? Like that stuff is just being overly picky. You got a guy in his first appearance, <laughs> and and as a defender, he let worry about the defensive aspects. And if he gets that down, it's a positive result. You want to get into like the, the details of his passing positioning like that. Now you're just getting out of control. You, you know me. I, wa- I watch that stuff. I don't know why. Yeah, I but do. it's it's dumb. I'm sorry. Ha, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jermaine, Thank, Jones, thanks, I was, think, that, No, that stuff think? matters. That's that stuff does matter to a degree. It matters, to, but to say that like he looks shaky, that's I don't, I, I'm sorry, man. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think he was. I thought amazing. he, I thought he did. You're crazy. Oh. We'll disagree on that. Okay, Jermaine we Jones, won't. We, we, hey, you and I always see different games, so. Well, you because you're blind, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, Jermaine Jones, you know what? And, and I, he took he took a lot of flack in this game, uh, and rightfully so. Right? I mean, he made some pretty big blunders, um, and and. The th- that's the thing with him, but at the same time, I feel like people really were killing him, and, and, and I think it's easy to ignore. And and it's the same thing with Michael Bradley. It's easy to ignore the fact that these guys ha- have so much of the ball, they have they have so much of a of a control in the game that they're just putting their, they're putting positions so many more times to ha- to to make a mistake. Uh, that you know, it's 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 easy to say, oh, he didn't do as well as you know, or like a Michael Bradley didn't do as well as this crew, even though, hey, look, this crew had the ball like a third of the time that Michael Bradley had it. So like, you can't, it's not really a fair comparison. With Jermaine Jones, he does need to cut out the mistakes, uh, especially when you're going to have him kind of be the captain back there in that three-five-two. Uh, he absolutely has to be switched on. And my theory on Jermaine Jones is this, and I've noticed, I've kind of noticed this now, for in friendlies. Jermaine Jones, kind of his approach to friendlies, it's almost as if we're kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, it's training. If anything bad happens, then it's whatever. It's a friendly. I don't care. It's a friendly. Um, but when it's cup games, when it's World Cup, when it's MLS playoffs, MLS Cup, the guy brings his A game. So from that standpoint, I think people should maybe think about that, that here's a guy who, you know, he gets the fact that this is a new system. He is learning this new system along with everyone else, playing in that three-five-two, being that kind of you know the centerpiece of the defense uh so it's a it's gonna be a learning curve so any it, it, the, the people who are still riding this whole jermaine jones should not be a defender thing like it, like i'm sorry that that it's just people want to kind of they they want to stay on these points 
when it's, I mean, it's just, I completely disagree. I still think when you look at that system, when you look at what that role requires, he is absolutely the guy to play that role. Now, he's got to sharpen up, but I just don't see anyone even close to him in being able to handle the responsibilities that that position is going to require. Well, and it's also easy to point certain things out. You know, when Jermaine Jones goes for a 30-yard run from center back, you know, people point. I think yes, that was. I mean, that was discussed between he and, and Jurgen Klinsmann. Also mentioned that before the game that Jermaine Jones could attack from the back. But but I think I mean, some people see those things and it kind of you know as an outsider. Sometimes you're thinking like, oh my gosh, what, what the heck is he doing right here right now? Right. I mean, again, it's it, it's it's going to come with time. All, all this stuff, and it's always easy to say he's not getting he's not getting it done. Quote unquote. This other guy would get it. Did this other guy would get it done? And it's like. You know what? I'm I like, and people can obviously disagree, and I and we we can disagree on it. But for me, Jermaine Jones is just his, his level of play, like for what the things that he can do, and that, and that's the thing with the Chile game. If you rewatch the game, yes, he had some points where he, you know, he lost the ball on, on a couple of occasions, really badly, right? But at the same time, he made some plays all over the field, defensively covering, breaking up plays, chasing people down. And it's easy to just completely overlook those things and then just focus on the two or three uh, blunders, the two or three turnovers, the two or three uh, mistakes. They all, well, this this can't happen. And obviously, uh, when the games get down to the important games, to the games that matter, the cup games, the qualifiers, you can't afford those kind of mistakes. I get that. But at the same time, you can't just totally write the guy off as an option because he's making some mistakes in a friendly when he and the team are figuring out a new system. And moving up the formation, when you mentioned players are still trying to figure out, you had a lot of players trying to figure out how their roles now fit into this new system, especially on the midfield and forward roles. In the midfield, you have Michael Bradley, who quietly, Ivis had a very solid performance. Mixed discord was hit or miss. And then Clint Dempsey overall, not, not the best performance showing from him. And the midfield did look promising at times, Ivis, in the in the 3-5-2. And then other times, it just looked all over the place with them trying to figure out where they need to be on certain situations. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't obviously a, a for the from the midfield standpoint, it wasn't an overwhelming performance, uh, particularly in the first half. Well, in either half, but even with the three five two, there were some flashes, there were some nice combination play. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. They did just there, it just wasn't a lot of cohesion there. And part of that, obviously, is, is familiarizing yourself with mm-hmm. the new system. Um, uh, the, you know, it's interesting with Discrude. Now he made a great pass on the goal on the Josie Altador goal. He combined well with with DeAndre Ellen on that sequence, but beyond that, though, I really, I wasn't that impressed. I, I mean, I thought he floated in and out of the game. I didn't think he made a really strong mark on this game, and and I was actually a little surprised to see some people just rave about the guy and give him just you know high high marks and you know act like he was this amazing player. I, I didn't see it. I mean, I thought I thought he's had much better performances in the friendly since the world cup than he had in this game. I thought he had disappeared for, 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 you know, mm-hmm. significant stretches in the game. Uh, and, and then even with Bradley, you could say something similar. There were sequences, there, there were periods in the game where he would, did not get much of the ball. Uh, but even then the guy is always pressuring. He's always in on plays. Uh, he's always pressuring the guys with the ball, getting around. Um, and, and, and kind of along the lines of the Jermaine Jones, Jones thing, we hear it once again from, from, from critics of Bradley, about the turnovers, and, and and it's just, I mean, here's my thing, right? The guy is not shabby. He was never shabby. He was never, he's not Iniesta. Is his passing as sharp as it was, say, four years ago? No. I think at that point in his career, in the World Cup, in 2010, and, and in the couple of years after that, he, he, he was passing at a higher level. 
And I'll, I'll agree with that. And in 2014, his passing took a, a step down. I, I think his the, the, the stats show that. The passing percentages show that. His percentages have dipped. But having said that, like, he still has so much of an influence on the game. He is all over the place. He has so much more of the ball than anybody else in the midfield uh, that he's just in more positions to have to make try to make things happen. And I feel like a lot of the times, and I and as the game was going on, and I'm on, you know, I look at the comments on the chat uh, on the SBI Live commentary. I look at the comments on Twitter, and I'm seeing all the stuff talking about the turnovers, the turnovers, the turnovers. And then when I, you know, watch the game over. I mean, a lot of the times Bradley's trying to make a play. Bradley is trying to squeeze a pass in. He's trying to send a ball forward. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's not that often that he is turning the ball over, uh, just kind of you know dancing on the ball or keeping the ball or, or, or passing it backwards. And and a lot of the times when he turns the ball over, he chases it down and breaks and, and mm-hmm. gets the ball back. And I feel like like how do you just ignore that? So for me, I think he just he I gave him pretty decent marks for for, for the grades for that game. Uh, even though some people were just really, really down on him, but well, I, if, I, I, it's a little surprising to me how much flack he gets. If he if he hits that goal and puts the match out of reach, then everyone's talking about how those are the same people that are saying, "Oh, Michael Bradley, this is well, this is this right, year. he's well, turning right. it around. Look how yeah, good he I is mean, all of a sudden." Well, that's the thing, right? It's funny. It's like he so yeah, he almost scores that goal. He actually had a pretty sweet uh, like flick pass to Lee Wynn. That Lee Wynn, you know, shoots a foot wide. That you know, the, a really great chance on goal. So right there, he's helped set up. He helped. He nearly scores on his own, and he nearly sets up into the chance. So he's he, you know, late in the game, especially, and I, and that's something that I thought was interesting, and I didn't get I didn't get a lot of people talking about it on the rewatch of the on the second viewing of the game. He was one of the few guys really trying to make something happen from the 70th, 75th minute on. He actually was the guy that was really trying to set guys up, put good passes in. Uh, he was active there. So, I mean, if we were, you know, for all the talk about that, there were a lot of guys that just weren't fit yet, that weren't match fit because it's the preseason. Michael Bradley's probably one of the most fit guys, and I think it showed later in the match. So, for me, that's why overall, I thought he had a good game, even mm-hmm. though some people clearly disagree with me and think he had a bad game. Well, the real disconnect for me from watching the game, though, was the, was Josie Altador and Bobby Wood and also Clint Dempsey who at times was playing literally on top of Bobby Wood or forced Bobby Wood to drop down. And I've had multiple times where Josie Altador was dropping down. Jurgen Klinsmann's going to have to figure that out. And look, I want to I believe that Bobby Wood can be good. He's shown moments in some games where you sit there and say, man, this is a guy who could be really good. But this performance on, on Wednesday, I, this is perhaps the worst performance Bobby Wood has ever had for the U.S. national team. It's time to end the Bobby Wood experiment for now. Uh, it just is. I mean, I agree with you. He's had he's had games where he's put himself in good spots, uh, where he's active and he gets in good positions, but he doesn't finish, and he no. is clear, he's clearly not sharp. Now in this game, he was completely invisible. If anything, he was a liability. He, he he nearly got beat on a couple of defensive responsibilities. So for me, it's like let 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 the guy sort out his club situation, take a look at some other guys, give some other guys these opportunities that that Bobby Woods getting. And then go from there. I mean, Jossie's Arts, I thought he looked good in his camera. Yes. Like, so give the, give him more minutes. So I think that's – I, I got to believe Klinsman's at that point now where he sees like, okay, I've given Bobby Wood his fair shake. His, his, you know, I've given him like three straight games, four, however many games in a row it, it's been now, to showcase him, to show what he can do, and for him to prove himself. And it's just have, it just hasn't happened. So I think now you go into this Panama game, Jossie's Artist is your guy. And, uh, and, and along the lines of the Dempsey thing, I know – that Dempsey is pretty much Klinsman 
really likes Dempsey as far as in the makeup of the team. He lets the, he he lets Dempsey kind of dictate where he wants to go. You ask Glenn Dempsey where he prefers to play, he'd rather play behind the forwards. Even though when you look at the makeup of the team, you should he should probably be playing up top. He, he, he should, should be. Play him up. You just look right. at his positioning throughout the entire match. He was playing up top regardless. Well, that well, that's the thing. So for me, if if one of the, another one of the kind of little things we saw from this game, it's all well and good that Clint likes Clint Dempsey likes to play. Uh, behind the forwards, but he should on this team play up top uh, with Josie Altidore. And you need to give other guys the opportunity to play in that uh, attacking midfielder role. Lee Wynn, I think, yes. I thought he did well. I thought he made some things happen. So let's give Lee Wynn a chance. Let's give him the start in the next game. If you're going to start a lot of the same guys, um, you know, that if you, I think if you put, if you try the 3 5 2 again, and I think if you play, if you play Lee Wynn in that spot and put Dempsey up top, I think it could work mm-hmm. really well. So we'll see if he actually goes with that. But I think, if anything, we hopefully Klinsman has figured it out by now. He probably needs to sit Bobby Wood and and and, and give other people chances by now. Look, we'll see if Jurgen Klinsman I will make that change. You know how he is. I mean, he sticks with guys for quite some time, a.k.a. Breck Shea. Uh, and that transition may change on Sunday as the U.S. will be in California at the Center hosting Panama. You are going to be at that game. When you find, when do you find out for the game, Ivis? Uh, I'll be heading out Thursday morning. Nice. Yes, heading en- out enough, to LA. Enough, enough time to party Friday, Saturday night. Uh, well, enough time to get away from the cold, man. It's the, it's like the the snow. It's it snowed last week, and now it's a- actually as we speak right now, it's snowing again. So it's like wow. I think I think I think it's time for a break. It's uh, even though I was just in Florida two weeks ago, it's time to get out, get a little sunshine in, in LA. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be good to see the team up close. Uh, see some of the new faces that are in camp and um. Mm-hmm. That Panama game, I think the Panama game, the Panama game would be a good test. You know, looking at the roster that they Panama's called in, it's a lot of familiar faces. It's a, it's a team that uh, will present some challenges. Uh, that it, they will offer a good test, but I personally, I don't think they'll be as good as Chile. Um, so you know, you look at that game, that can be that confidence bo- uh, boosting type of game. It's not a gimme by any means, but it's set up for the U.S. to be able to win. That they should win that game. Time to end the conversation on the national team. We'll talk about it later this week as we'll preview the match against Panama. On the Americans abroad front, unfortunately, we have more injury news to talk about rather than some good news. The first player, Ivis, Joe Jow, injured his left knee. Looks like he's, ha- he's, go- I'm sorry, he's going to have to go under a second surgery on it. At 22 years old, this is very unfortunate for him. Still possibly might have a bright future for the national team. Uh, but just very unfortunate setback for him with his uh, as he was transitioned to recovery. Right. I mean, it's definitely a bad. Uh, it's unfortunate the timing of it all. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was who was really uh, at a good moment in his career uh, before he suffered the injury with the U.S. Uh, in the fall, and now it looks like he could miss the the rest of the year over in Germany. And and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because he had gotten to that point where he was kind of on the radar for the first team at Dortmund, and as as bad as their season's been, and as uh, as much of a nightmare as, as they're, they're, they've endured, you know, he he had that opportunity to get some minutes, and fortunately he got injured. And you know, now you're looking at it, and he's 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 gone from being a guy who could potentially comp- a battle for a, a a spot on the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Now now he's not going to probably come back. And even if, he, even if even if he does come back, it's the timing probably doesn't set up well for him. I tell you what, in in the three five two. I mean, he could be a serious asset as a wide player. As a, you know, you could play him as a wing back. You could play him as a forward if you if you want to do, you want to try like a three four three or any types of uh, situations where you want fast wingers. I mean, he's he's as fast as there is in the pool. 
So uh, that that's a big blow, I think, just in terms of long term. Uh, is you know he's like you said he's he's only twenty two. He still has career ahead of him. Um, he's definitely not one to, to 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 rule out. But he you, you have to kind of put him next to Terrence Boyd now in that that category of unfortunate injury guys who probably now are going to miss out on the Gold Cup. When you, when you talk about guys missing out on the Gold Cup, the next player I have is that you're hoping that doesn't miss out. Greg Garza, uh, he injured his left knee against Tijuana. Not really sure what the results on this are yet. As he said, he's going to wait to get test out. Uh, same thing, Ivis. I mean, this is a guy who who healthy. I mean, should be on the Gold Cup roster, hoping that this left knee injury doesn't turn anything serious for him. Right. I mean, at this point, we don't know. We haven't heard anything to, to lead us to believe that it is serious. Uh, so I, I think from that standpoint, we should we shouldn't jump the gun. Uh, it definitely would be a fortunate if it is serious because we're talking about another guy who has really had a, a kind of breakout past year uh, with with his club side and with the national team. Uh, and he's a guy who, for me, I thought looked really good playing a left back for the U.S. And uh, and it would be interesting to see how he would fit in if the U.S. does decide to go to a three five two because you know it, it, would he be able, would he be a guy that you could fit in as a wing back? Uh, I think he could handle that role. I think he could. Um, so. You know, we'll see how he does. And if he's healthy, he absolutely could be an option come March when, mm-hmm. when you have the March friendlies. You'd like to have him back in. But at this point, it's kind of a waiting game. We have to wait and see what the what the verdict's going to be on his injury. Man, I, I would like Greg Garza on a 3-5-2. Every time for the U.S. that he – not every time, but, but so far, I was in his performances for the U.S. I mean, he, he's looked good in the final third. Uh, right. But, you know, again, 4-4-2, 3-5-2. A little bit different uh, responsibilities, positioning. So, you know, I, I think he could do well there. I, th- I, th- I think he could. But uh, uh, the question is, will Klinsman rate him over some other guys in that kind of system? Because when you have, we want to talk about someone like Fabian Johnson, someone like Tim Chandler, um, even though Garz uh, has a better left foot than Chandler. Um, I think for me, Fabian Johnson's a guy, if you're looking at a 3 5 2, um, I think Johnson will be, will be probably be the guy on the left with either Alejandro Bedoya or DeAndre Yedlin as the wing back on the right, if we see a long-term 3-5-2. So from that standpoint, Garza could be the odd man out. However, if the U.S. stays with a 4-4-2, Garza still kind of, for me, has to kind of be one of your favorites to, to grab the left back spot. Yeah, and you just mentioned it. Uh, Tijuana Ivis is off to a great start right now in the Clausura. Uh, they have nine points through four matches. Uh Look, Tijuana is kind of like the the America's team in, in Liga MX. I mean, it's always nice to see them and all the Americans doing well. Right, absolutely. They're off to a good start. Uh, Joe Corona got on the field in their last game. Uh, Paul Ariola is working his way back after being with the U.S. under 20s. Uh, he, he's, uh, you know, not really factoring in with the first team uh, just yet. And that'll be interesting to see because, you know, he did tell uh, he did tell SBI uh, that there was this possibility of a loan move and that, you know, he might explore options in MLS and, That'll be interesting to see if he does do that or if, or if Tijuana decides to keep him, if they see a role for him with the first team in the Clausura. Uh, but, you know, at this point, we're going to wait and see what happens with Greg Garza because that, that one is going to be big, I think, because you don't want it. Obviously, you don't want you, you never want anyone to get injured. But with where with the timing of things now, with the momentum that he has, it'd be really it'd be it'd be pretty crushing at this point if, it, if, if he had a serious injury that kept him out of the build-up now, this, the next six months when you want to talk about friendlies and ultimately the Gold Cup. Uh, and you actually reported this injury. Emerson Hyman this is going to be out for the next six weeks after suffering a broken collarbone. Uh, possibility, you know, of him now with his, you know, he's doing well for his club side, doing well for the national team. And once again, I mean, another young guy getting injured. I mean, it just doesn't seem to end. 
it's uh, I don't know. It's the curse of Americans abroad. It's like half the Americans abroad have come back to MLS, and the other half are all injured. So it's it's crazy how it's the you know there's like a there's like a curse at this point. But, yeah, um, the curse yeah, no, is I, the curse is if you don't come back to Major League Soccer, you're going to be injured. Exactly. There's somebody has a boot. You know, John <laughs> Garber has like yeah, a boot he hires someone. <laughs> yeah, he's got someone with you know put a jinx on all the Americans abroad. Um, but no, Emerson Ironman, uh, you know, a guy who I thought showed well at the under twenty uh, qualifying tournament. I know a lot of fans have wanted to see him after all these years of hearing about him. Uh, and I thought he showed well. I mean, he was one of the better players on the U20s. Um, so it's unfortunate that he, get, that he gets hurt because, you know, at Fulham, he had earned minutes. He had earned some, some steady playing time, which is in, invaluable for the development of a, an 18-year-old player uh, like Emerson Hyman. And uh, and also, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that are interested in Hyman as far as for, for a transfer standpoint. Uh, he This summer... He will after this summer. He'll have one year left on his contract at Fulham. So uh, I, th- I think uh, if he if he gets back in time to still play this year, he'll have he'll have an opportunity to showcase himself. And then at the Under Twenty World Cup, he'll have an opportunity to showcase himself. So it could be a really big summer uh, for Emerson Hyman. And it is unfortunate that he had this injury, but I still think that you know it's a bright bright future and a, a definitely a promising summer ahead. Emerson Hyman. All right. Well, not everyone's cursed for the Americans abroad playing in Europe because we actually do have some good news. Aaron Johansson scored a goal for AZ, uh, first goal for him since early December. I was, this is you know good to see him back in form. This is a guy you know who who should be on the Gold Cup roster. Oh, absolutely. I uh, you know I think you know he should be on the roster, and he you could definitely see him starting. I mean, I want to see the Altidore Johansson combo. I want to see them play together. Um, you know, if Klinsman is, is committed to playing Dempsey as, a, as an attacking midfielder, then all of a sudden uh, a Johansson Dempsey Altador trio would be pretty uh, could be pretty promising. And uh, you know, but Johansson has to stay healthy and he has to stay in form. And uh, you know, he, he's had his issues with, with injuries here and there, so it's good news to see him healthy and back scoring. And Heath Pierce is on the move; he's going to be American abroad once again. Moving over to Swedish side, Hotteborg. Ivis at thirty years old is this a good move for him? Uh, you know, I mean, I think at this point in his career, uh, you know, he probably saw an opportunity to, to make to make more money, and, and he's someone who has played in Europe. He's played he's played in uh, in Scandinavia. He's experienced that lifestyle, and, and I'm sure he uh, has had positive experiences there. And uh, I think at this point in his career, I don't know how many options that he had. Uh, I, I'd say for me, I think MLS teams should have taken a chance on him. I, I, I'm not. I think some teams were interested, but. If you're if you're here, Heath Pierce, you can look at it this way, right? Here's a guy who can go to Scandinavia now, sign a short-term deal, then the CBA gets signed. There's more money on the table. Maybe next year he can come into the league and play for a, uh, for significant, significantly more money. So I think that's that's a possibility. But I also think that he, he's someone who's experienced playing in Europe, living in Scandinavia, and he I'm sure he's not going to mind going back and, and, and living in Sweden. And in Major League Soccer, we talked about this the past week. Some moves have now finally become official. New England Revolution bringing back Juan Agudelo. Ivis, this is a, a great move for the New England Revolution, bringing a player like him, his quality back, and, and what he could bring provide for the team this year. Well, it's a big move. Uh, I think it's a big signing for them. Uh, they, they're a team that, I mean, they already had, their, their attack did pretty well without him, but, I mean, it, having adding him to the mix is huge. He's a he's a really a true kind of target forward type player, uh, and then you have him. You have Charlie Davis. You can play a couple of different systems there. I mean, I know they they definitely uh, 
stuck with their kind of four five one, um, but you can go four four two. It gives you a variety of options, and uh, I know a lot of people looked at the signing and looked. Uh, I looked at Agudelo coming back, kind of with his tail between his legs uh, to MLS after uh, his kind of failed attempt at staying in Europe, and and I know some people were definitely critical of the whole situation, and and, and rightfully so. Uh, I mean, w- w- one thing I would say is, you know, when you look at a young player who who had these aspirations of playing in a top league in Europe, he had a team in in the Premier League that wanted him, and there was a lot of money on the table. There's a lot of money involved. And he took his chance, you know. He took his opportunity to try to sign with Stoke. It didn't work out. He didn't get the work permit. He it failed on two occasions. Um, but you can't kind of, you almost can't begrudge the guy for going for it. I think where you can definitely, where he definitely deserves some criticism is is that once it didn't happen for him in the spring, in the summer, he needed to make a move, and he really cost himself six months here. Uh, where he could have made a move, and it, and and he last summer he could have come back to New England, and and that's something to think about. You know, if he had come to New England, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if they had the cap room to squeeze him in along with having squeezed Jermaine Jones in. But I, I mean, if if they could have, and if he could have joined New England in the summer, I mean, maybe he's an MLS Cup champion right now. And even if he hadn't done that, he should have played somewhere. But you know what? That's water under the bridge now. Now he's now he's back in New England. He's still only 22 years old. He's not, you know, he still has a lot, a lot of career ahead of him. Uh, you know, he'll chalk that, definitely chalk this whole thing up to a learning experience. But it's a wasted six months. But now he's coming back to a good situation, a team he knows well, coach he knows well, uh, and a team that can win the title and a team that I think can help him get better. So we'll see how it goes. But it's for me, I think it's huge for New England. And another move that became official, Sasha Kleschen joins the New York Red Bulls, which I guess we talked about this makes the trade that New York pulled off uh, look very good for New York Red Bulls. Well, it depends who you ask. I mean, I think some people are still uh, – some Red some Red Bulls fans are still uh, not sold on the deal. And it's kind of – it goes back to the familiarity thing. I mean, they know Eric Alexander. They know Oyango. They, you know, a lot, a lot of people think Oyango has this huge upside that he could be a star player. But, I, you know, for me, I think he's still raw. He's not a proven commodity. He's someone. I mean, he's someone who could be be something special, but he's not there yet. And there's no saying. How, there's no telling how long that will take for him to kind of find that that level that makes him a, a true top player. So, for me, Sasha Kleschen's a proven commodity. Sasha Kleschen's a guy who in the who was in the league before, was really good in the league before, and now he's a better player. I know some. As I said in previous shows. I know some people's opinions of Kleschen are colored by his kind of lack of success with the national team, but I think that's kind of an unfair barometer to judge him on because I think he's done really well in Europe. Anderlecht, he's played really well there, um, and he's a quality player. He's going to come to MLS, and I think he's going to make a big impact. I think he's going to be a key for the Red Bulls, and I think he's going to help provide some balance on that team that they needed with the departure of Thierry Henry. So I think for me, a big signing for them, and I like that trade. And, and, and now you start looking at that team – you get Felipe Martins. You get Sasha Kleschen. They also added Leo Stoltz. They stole in the draft. All of a sudden, you know, the midfield's looking pretty good. So, uh, you know, it still remains to be seen what their defense is going to look like because I think it's still kind of a, a bit of a mishmash. But uh, I think they're going to be all right. I mean, they're not. I think they're going to take a step back. I, I still think that. Um, but I think maybe they won't be as bad as we thought they were like a couple weeks ago. And reports are coming out that Toronto FC may get Jovinko, their huge DP signing, before the season starts. He was originally supposed to come mid-season, 
but reports are saying that he may sever ties and and and, uh, and join Toronto FC before the season. Look, if you're a Toronto FC fan, Ivis, I mean, you you are jumping at this, and you're you're pretty excited about this news. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a guy who you know you were expecting to get in summer, um, and if you can have him from the beginning of the season, I mean, it's such a. I, I think by now we've talked enough about the the benefits of of having a player spend a preseason with their new team and getting to know the players, getting to know, getting familiar with styles of play and uh, just fitting in and getting comfortable in a new setting. Um, so it would be absolutely huge for Toronto to be able to bring him right away. The one question that it does raise is, you know, at this point, MLS teams only have three DPs. It hasn't changed. It hasn't gone to four. Uh, even though there's talk about the new CBA most likely going to four. But what do you do? If uh, you still don't have a new CBA in place, you're still operating under the old rules, and then you're Toronto, and, and, and how many DPs do you have now, right? I mean, you have Bradley, Altidore, you still have Gilberto on your books, and then you have Javinko, that's four. So they would have to trade Gilberto, and they'd have to, they'd have to find some place for, the, for him to go. I mean, I, 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 you get the sense they were going to have to do that anyway. So if they can sort all that out before the start of the season – I think that'd be great uh, for Toronto. And you know what? There's teams in MLS that get use Gilberto. Gilberto is a, is a good forward. Um, I mean, Philadelphia comes to mind. I think, uh, you know, there, there's a few teams out there that could uh, – Columbus. I mean, I know Columbus and Toronto, they have this kind of, uh, you know, alleged rivalry. But, you know what? Columbus right now with the forwards that they have, uh, you know, adding a player like Gilberto would be huge. So, um, just to, and just to clarify, there's been – I've heard nothing – as far as as far as uh, trade talks or anything uh, along those lines, but just looking at the teams out there, there's still teams out there that could use some help at forward. And if you're Toronto and you have to trade Gilberto, uh, you know I think there's definitely some teams out there that could take him. And it, it'll be interesting if that's what happens. Because remember, now a year ago, they were in the same situation. They were stuck with four DPs. They had to move one. They ended up trading Matias Laba to Vancouver. And Matias Laba was probably Vancouver's MVP last year. Helped get him into the playoffs. So, you know what? Maybe they'll, maybe TFC will be that gift that keeps on giving, and they'll send Gilberto to a team that helps either get him to the playoffs or maybe even helps them win a title. And the San Jose Earthquakes have signed a designated player uh, that is Swedish international forward, Innocent Emigara. What, what do you make of this move of, of them acquiring this player? I couldn't tell you, man. The guy played it's in weird. Azerbaijan. It's interesting. He just came from Azerbaijan. Um, we scored five goals in eight appearances. Yeah, I mm. mean, it's a little like, what is he really going to bring to the table? Is he going to be kind of one of these meh designated players that really doesn't do anything, comes and goes without without a whimper? Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, Dom Kinnear, it's just kind of his first DP signing. So, you know, Dom Kinnear's track record is pretty good. So you like to think... Uh, it, it, this guy's got uh, got something that he's going to be able to bring to the table, but at this point, I'll reserve judgment. I'm not going to say it's a bad signing, but I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I think it's going to be a dis- uh, you know <laughs> big impact signing. He has zero goals and nine appearances for for the Swedish national team. I, I, I know I'm going off stats, but I saw kind of some of the stuff. I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there's always those kind of signings that are like you know they're designated they're designated player signings. But they're guys that are, you know, their track record's not not that great. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, hey, Dom Kinnear and John Doyle saw something uh, to sign him as a DP. So we'll see what he does. Uh, Iris, what's going on with NYCFC? Tom President Tom, Tim Pernetti has has left his job about a month before the season. I'm mean, sorry, about a month and a half before the season starts. I mean, is this club cursed? 
I, you know what? This one was a little shocking to me. I got to say, um, you know, Pernetti has really been kind of one of the, the faces of the, of the organization uh, in their whole run up to, to, to the launch of the team. So for him to now leave, he's going to leave after the first game. It kind of definitely makes you scratch your head and say, well, what's going on here? Um, I mean, obviously, Pernetti, you know, his, his comments were that, you know, he, he's, you know, he's a college sports guy, which is true. It's not I mean, it's not a stretch by any means. He's not really a soccer guy. He's a college sports guy, more probably more so a college football guy, actually, than anything. Um, so from that standpoint, you can kind of understand it. But it's just the timing of it is a little a little suspect. It's a little suspect. It doesn't it doesn't make NYCFC look like the most stable organization? And and then they come out with this whole thing with the you know the the rules for their supporters, uh, this whole laundry list of things that the supporters can't do at Yankee Stadium, and it's it's crazy. It's just uh, it, it, they're not setting a good tone there. And I think it was very tone deaf on their part to kind of put this list together. And I know, look, that's one of the kind of uh, the drawbacks of of playing not in your own stadium. When you're a tenant, you pretty much have to abide by the rules of your, of your landlord. And, and in this case, the landlord is the New York Yankees. Yankee Stadium is their place. They don't want NYCFC fans to get too crazy. And, and it's unfortunate. It's, cra- it's, uh, it's, it's a little depressing. It's a, and it looks it's really very, bad. It's very depressing. And it looks it, really bad. Right. I mean, you're already <laughs> you're alienating fans who yeah. haven't even started coming to your games. Like, uh, I, yeah, I think they're, I, early signs are that NYC is really tone deaf. <laughs> Off the field, on the field, they've made you know they've made some pretty good signings, some good pickups. Jason Christ is putting this putting together a good team, but off the field, uh, from the whole Lampard fiasco to now this situation with the fans, the stadium not you know them not securing a stadium, uh, it, it's 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 off to shaky. It's off to a shaky start. <laughs> it's it's too forced. Shaky. It's it's maybe we were kind of willing to glass it over and say it wasn't forced. It's at this point, Ivis. It's 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 way too forced for this to happen. Uh, yeah, but you know what? If Jason Christ puts together a winning team, they start winning and playing good soccer, the fans will come. And and and, and, and winning solves a lot of things. And so we'll see. We'll see if Christ can can uh, make some magic happen so people stop looking at all the disaster of the of, of you know what's going on off the field. No, when you talk about fans uh, coming out, some recent developments and things started to heat up on the Major League Soccer expansion front. Sacramento, I was literally, what, 15 months ago, you're thinking, Sacramento, MLS, no way. I, at this point, they get the Kings are now on board, the 49ers are on board to make this a reality. I mean, Sacramento has to be a slam dunk for an MLS expansion team. I think they're, I think at this point, they're, they are the favorite. They are one, they are the front runner to, to grab one of the last, the, the next two spots. I mean, I just, I don't see how you can look at it any other way. Uh, I think, I know. There are some questions about San Jose, and, and will San Jose try to stand in the way of this uh, if they even can? I mean, just from a distance standpoint, I think maybe San, I think Sacramento's for, far enough away where they're not necessarily kind of in that San Jose home territory range. Um, but for me, I mean, all the pieces are there, all the elements are there for a great franchise, a great club, um, a great uh, organization. So we'll see. We'll see if, if, if MLS sees that. I, I know MLS has been in love with Miami for so long. Um, and then you have Minnesota, then you have San Antonio. So there, there's quite a few options there for the twenty, the spots 23, 24. Uh, but for me, if, if, I, if you're asking me for my vote just from what I've seen and what I, people I've talked to and, and, the, and the information that I've, I've received, Sacramento is the favorite. And I think, you know, the, you get the sense talking to some people 
that it's already kind of been decided that Sacramento is going to be one of the teams. And they're trying to figure out if Miami's in or out so they can move on to, to a Minnesota or potentially a San Antonio. So we'll see what happens. But for me, San Antonio, right now, Sacramento is the favorite to get one of those one of those teams. Well, obviously, you can't discredit Miami. David Beckham spoke to E, E online, out of all places, E getting the soccer scoop about Miami. David Beckham is saying that things are starting to come together and we may expect some positive news in the next couple weeks. That This is, this well, is good news. Uh, it's all talk, right? It's all talk <laughs> un- until we really see some tangible uh, information come out. You know, when, when, once we see some polit- Miami politicians putting together some legislation that's going to get them a, 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 a stadium where they want it, I think we have to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I think we've been going on for a while now. There's been a lot of flip-flopping down there in the Miami area on whether or not they can make a stadium happen. So, you know what? Beckham does sound – if Beckham's optimism is is really founded on on progress and not just him trying to put a, put a happy face on things – uh, I don't think we're going to find that out for a while, for for a little bit. So, uh, but you know what? Hopefully, it happens. Because for me, I, I would love to see Miami get a team. Uh, I I know I know there's people who don't think a Miami team would work. I think it could, given the right uh, the right ownership group, given the right location for a stadium. I think they can make it happen. Um, and we know my we know MLS wants Miami to have a team, and MLS is going to do what they have to do to make it happen, or not do what they have to do. But if all all the, all the Beckham group has to do. It's kind of get that if they can get that that stadium location in a good in a spot that MLS is, will be happy with, they're going to get a team. That's just I mean that's just how it's going to be. So we'll see. This is going to be a big, uh, big month or two now for that for that bid. Look, I, I won't believe anything in Miami until I see shovels hitting the ground. The, the first picture, you know, with Beckham, the mayor, and like two other people with the shovels. Then I'll then I'll believe it. <laughs> Shovels in the ground. That's well, you know, when they take that, you know, a PR picture, you know, hey, we're smiling, and yeah, that you know, you know, what I'm talking about. Fair enough. I mean, that's to be fair. Well, look, to be fair, there's been situations in the past where state where there were shovels involved, and and, that's, and, that's and, and deals didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, it, we've had it; it's happened before. I mean, I think our, I think Real Salt Lake, uh, their initial shovels in the ground thing. Um, didn't necessarily kick off the stadium. It took a little bit longer after that. I know the Red Bulls were in a similar situation. They had a whole, um, I think it was, I want to say it was like 2007 where they had a whole kind of like big event. And and you know what? Didn't happen. They didn't They didn't get it. They, it still got delayed a few more years. So um, I agree with you, though. We, we, can't, we can't take anything for granted in Miami uh, until there's serious evidence that a stadium's going where MLS wants it to go. You, are you feeling okay, man? You seem to be agreeing with me a lot on today's show. I don't know because you you know you, you're taking all the softballs and then I have no choice. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good strategy, but yeah, it's, it's pretty smart. Uh, anyways, well, this, look, Major League Soccer is about five weeks away. Crazy to think that the that season starts in five weeks, but a hopefully. lot of teams. Hopefully, <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> Uh, but a lot of teams right now are in preseason playing preseason matches. I, I think almost every team at this point has probably had a preseason match. But the expansion teams, Ivis, obviously, you know, close eye on them. And since this is their first preseason, uh, Orlando City in their first match tied DC United 1-1. And for all the bad news, NYCFC went out and beat Jacksonville Armada. Right. It's preseason. The preseason matches have just begun this past weekend. You've only actually, as far as I can see, you've, you've actually only had a handful of teams begin to play. I mean, obviously, you had Orlando, 
DC, uh, DC, NYCFC, uh, the Red Bulls. I saw played as well. Por- played as Portland, well. Portland. Um, but the, it, things will get in a full swing this week. Uh, but again, it's still early. People are just getting their legs out. You, you almost don't even want to get like pay attention too much to the results of these games, even though you're seeing some people trying to do full blown uh, full blown <laughs> reporting on these games. And it's like settle down. These are training matches. It is what it is. Um, but it just shows you how close we are, man. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. Five weeks away from the open. It's I mean, it's it's where did the off season go? I know we always talk about that, but five weeks, man. I I can't wait. I can't wait for it to stop snowing. That's what I'm. What I can't wait for. And moving over to international soccer, if you're a Red Bull fan, you'll you'll take this one way or you'll take it the other way. Tim Cahill and Australia have won the Asian Cup. I just look at if you're a Red Bull and you're looking to move Tim Cahill. I mean, you're very happy with this and, and with his, the the performance that he had for Australia during their cup run. Right. I mean, it, it's a big. It's obviously a big win for for Cahill in Australia. It's probably his last tournament for them. He wanted to go out with a bang, and he did. You know, they won it. You know, they won it all. And uh, he had, he was obviously big for them, especially in the quarterfinals when he scored the two goals against China, including a bicycle kick. Uh, so he goes out a winner. And and the thing about Cahill is when he is committed, the guy gets it done. The guy is still a player. But as we've seen with reports recently coming out of Red Bull camp that he kind of wasn't all the way committed this past year. Uh, with the Red Bulls, uh, after having uh, requests for a contract extension rejected, uh, so clearly he didn't see his future here. And I think we, I think the writing's on the wall. No one expects him to be back. It's just a question of uh, where will he go next. And you know, there's obviously talking. Uh, there's talk about him going to the Middle East. We know he can get a big payday there. Um, and the Red Bulls would love nothing more than to get him off of their books. So. Uh, you know, hopefully, if you're if you're the Red Bulls, you'll benefit from Cahill winning this Asian Cup, but because that'll you know increase the number of options that 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 can be there for Cahill, whether it's returning to Australia, or whether going to the UAE. But uh, one thing's for sure, the Red Bulls are praying, praying, praying that Cahill finds somewhere to go, because I think at this point they're ready to move on. In the Africa Cup of Nations, Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire have both advanced to the semifinals. They're not playing each other. As uh, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast is playing Democratic Republic of Congo, and Ghana is playing Equatorial Guinea. Uh, Ivis, if both these teams reach the finals, that that's going to be an awesome matchup to watch between uh, arguably the two strongest teams in Africa. I think, yeah, and I think it's fair to say most American fans would would love to see Ivory Coast against <laughs> Ghana, um, and I think most fans around the world, just outside of the countries involved, just for the star power uh, and the familiarity we have with those two teams. Um, now, the, obviously, the, the African Cup of Nations has had its share of controversy. Uh, there was a highly questionable call, a uh, terrible call that cost Tunisia in their loss to Equatorial Guinea. So that's all kind of all the more reason to root against Equatorial Guinea. Uh, normally, you want to root, root for the underdog, and they'll be the underdog against Ghana. But when you see them win the way they did in really highly controversial fashion against Tunisia, you kind of almost want Ghana to just put seven by them. Uh, obviously, it wasn't Equatorial Guinea's fault that the referee was was completely clueless, but it is what it is. I personally hope it's Ivory Coast Ghana because I think that could be one heck of a final. And in a big matchup in the Premier League, Chelsea played Manchester City to a one-one draw, and I was that, that was a big result for Chelsea at home. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, if you're Manchester City and you had aspirations of catching Chelsea, you needed a win in this game. And for me, they were the better side. They just couldn't get it done. Chelsea, clear, I mean, let's face it, first half, 
I think it was a pretty good half. Um, Chelsea didn't have uh, Costa. Diego Costa obviously suspended. Um, but second half, Man City was the better team, but they couldn't break through. Chelsea played for the tie. And now City's still five points back. And it's going to be tough to catch Chelsea. I mean, they'd really have to hit the skids. And Mourinho is right where he wants to be. He has the five-point lead. He knows how to manage games. And City's going to have to be a pretty damn near perfect the rest of the way if they're going to catch Chelsea. And Barcelona rallied and beat Villarreal 3-2. to two. Messi, of course, notches the game-winning goal in this one. And, uh, I mean, Ivis, for all that talk that Barcelona was done, they seem to be doing pretty good over the last month. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, they're still they, – Barcelona is still Barcelona. Um, they've won four in a row now. They're, they're still only one point behind Madrid, Real Madrid, even though Madrid does have a game in hand. Um, so that, that you know, they, Barcelona has an opportunity now to catch up with Real Madrid, who plays Atletico Madrid, I believe, next week. I think the, the, the Madrid derby uh, is coming up next week, so that's going to be a big one. Uh, actually, Madrid – and Madrid also plays Sevilla coming up, uh, which is going to be – you know, that's two pretty tough games right there um, if you're in Real Madrid, and you have to play Sevilla – without Ronaldo, who's going to be serving the second game of his suspension for the red card. So if you're Barcelona and you're looking at those two games where Real Madrid is now going to play the number three team and the number four teams in La Liga, if they drop points in either of those, uh, that's, going to get, that's going to allow Barcelona the opportunity to really close the gap there. So uh, I'll tell you what, looking ahead now, for, for those, of you, you, those of you listeners who don't follow European soccer that much, or, or only follow the Premier League, and I know there's a lot of people like that, you should try to watch the better teams in La Liga play, the, like the, 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 the matchups. When it, obviously, everybody knows Madrid-Barcelona, but Madrid, Atletico Madrid is a hell of a game. It's a hell of a rivalry. Since, the, since Simeone took over Atletico, they are a, they're, they're just a great team to watch, uh, an intense team to watch. And they've had Madrid's number, Real Madrid's number this, this season. So... Uh, that matchup's coming up next, uh, the, the upcoming weekend. So, put find a way to, to 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 watch this game. Whether you watch it live, you tape it. I highly recommend you watch the Madrid Derby next week. And before I let you go, Ivis, I think we do have some time for a head-to-head Q and I'll take the lead and I'll go first. What is your favorite type of pizza? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I, I'm gonna go sausage. I think I'm a, just a, just a regular old sausage. Um, uh, four is it? Is, what is it? Four three cheese pizza? Four cheese pizza? Whatever one of those are. That's the second. Um, meat lovers is a bit much. I used to love meat lovers back in the day, but I, I think sausage, just a regular sausage uh, pizza, would be good for me. Nice. How about you? Supreme. Oh, Peppers, ah, onions, not... mushrooms. I like ah, that. That's cheating. How's that cheating? Just pick one side. Once okay, one side. Uh, probably mushroom then. <laughs> All right, mushroom. Yeah. Yeah, I've never gotten into that. I've never gotten into the mushroom. Yeah, well, if I get like mushroom and like put like some uh, cholula on it, oh, that that is that's game over. That is awesome. Cholula. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's see. My turn. Um. If there was one soccer event you could be at in 2015, what would it be? Um, probably Gold Cup final. Is that a cop out? Nice. No, that's good. It's a good one. If the I'll U.S. Is, if the U.S. is playing, if the U.S. is playing, yeah, I don't need to see like whoever <laughs> else playing. Whoever Costa Rica, else. Mexico. Yeah, I mean, 
talk, entire, boring. I mean, that game sounds horrible, doesn't it? No, it wouldn't be boring. <laughs> if you're a U.S. fan, you wouldn't necessarily watch it. But as it's just soccer, a fan of the game itself, it could be a, that could be a very good game. Now, what, what, okay, what game do you want to be at? Um, well, I want to count something that I wouldn't normally be at. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be at the Gold Cup final. I'm yeah, going to be well, at this cup. See, why, why you got Why you got to brag? Humble, yeah. Humble. Oh, see, see how it comes around, Ivis. It you know, <laughs> always comes around, but man. It's not right. People know this. People know I go to games. It's not a secret. Um, I would say, you know what? This year, I would love to be at the Copa America final. Uh, I would love. Actually, I would love to be at. Is it who? Who's in Chile's group? In, in Chile's Copa America group, I think it's. Is it Chile, Argentina, or Chile, Colombia? Whoever the the powerhouse in their group this year, that group stage game, uh, in this year would be would be a hell. Hell of a game to be at, but I, I'd say Copa America final. Uh, I've never covered a Copa America. I've never, had, uh, you know, been lucky enough to 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 attend one. Um, so I think that'd be great, man. But you know, we'll, 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 I, I won't be going this time around. But hopefully, at some point in my career, I, I will be able to uh, be able to. Co- Actually, you know what? Chile is in a group with Mexico. So mm-hmm. you know what? I wouldn't even say the Chile uh, uh, Chile group group game. I would want to go to the Brazil Colombia group stage game. Mm. Uh, in in Santiago on June seventeenth, I would want to be there, or the or the final or the final. Do you just know these dates at the top of your head? No, man, it's, it's Google. No. You just you're just you're just busting it out like it's you've been planning for over like a year. <laughs> no, I wish. Yeah, if I was going, I would have it all. I would have it scheduled down. But I am not. Sadly, I will not. I will not be going. I will hopefully be go- going on some vacation around that time because. Uh, you know the gold. Uh, even though the the women's World Cup will be going on around that time, I don't plan on uh, at this point. I'm not scheduled to be covering the, the, the women's World Cup. If that is the case, I will try to be going to on vacation at some point in June, getting ready for the Gold Cup. A vacation that just happens to take place in South America. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> just what a what a coincidence. That's not a bad, uh, yeah. you know. I'm gonna start looking at that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I might have to start playing. Actually, no. The, the vacation in June would be either Florida to to, to visit my uh, my mother and sister, or or the Dominican Republic. Those are the two vacations uh, on the docket for this summer. So I, one of them will be in August, and hopefully one of them will be in uh, in June. Nice, nice. All right. So here's my question. Yes. Do you remember the first time you got pulled over by a cop? I, no, I don't know if I remember. No, I don't know. I, I honestly, have I don't you ever know. been pulled over by a cop? Oh, bro, really? Come on, man. Well, I don't. Know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I grew up in a you know gated community, so I don't, nah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know better than that, son. Um, yeah, no, I, I've been pulled over a few times. A few times. So. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. The you don't first. remember the first time. No, I really don't. You know what? Yeah, it was. It must. It. It. it probably, I guess it wasn't a traumatic experience. So, um, yeah, no, that was pretty good. <laughs> I also didn't start driving until I was uh, already uh, twenty three years old. So damn. I mean, that, so that cut. Yeah, because so that cut in. Cause, you know, you I cut, was out, really, cut out years of stupidity. Uh, yeah, well, years of opportunities for getting pulled over. Yeah. So by the time. I was old enough, and well, by the time I started driving, and by the time I, whenever I got pulled over the first time, I, I was able to handle myself. So it was good. Nice. How about you, man? Uh, tried to sneak out of the house to visit my girlfriend. Got pulled over in my mom's minivan. Tried to hide it from my parents, and I got grounded for a week. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> here, here we go. Question. All right. Your named U.S. soccer president. 
tomorrow. And as part of the taking the job, you have to fire Klinsman and hire his replacement. Jeez. Oh, Who would you hire? Um, that's a tough question. It could be any anyone in the world. Anyone in the world. But respect, you know, it's be realistic now. It has to be someone who, 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 who would actually take the job. Okay. I mean, you can do a fantasy pick, and then you can do a realistic pick. We could do that. Let's do that. Okay, my pick would be Pep Guardiola. That's what it would be. Your, that's your fantasy. Pick. That's the and, fantasy and, and realistic that's pick. Like the, that's not a realistic pick. He's not leaving Bayern Munich. It, could, ha- it could happen. It's not, it's not happening. It anymore. could happen. He lived in New York. Ibis, come on. It's not happening anytime soon. It's just not. So, it could it could happen. That is not your realistic pick. That could be your fancy pick. You're not getting away with that being your realistic pick. Okay, so my realistic pick, fine. Jason Christ. All right. Fair enough. Uh yeah, you know, Guardiola like Guardiola, you know what? I a fantasy pick, I would say I would say Diego Simeone. I love Simeone. Oh, yeah, he'd be pretty pimp on the sideline. Simeone is a Man, he's a he's a master. He's a master. I, I would I would look. I know there's other men. Look, there's Ancelotti. There's Mourinho. Um, there's some true true masters in in the coaching world. But Simeone, man, he's a guy who I think you you give him any team, and and he can make some magic happen. Realistically speaking, um, I'll tell you what, Jose Peckerman, the Colombia coach, would be a guy who. Mm. I know, I know for a fact that that you know Snil Galati had kind of inquired about. Uh, there were questions about the language issue because he doesn't speak English. Well, he didn't speak English in twenty as of twenty ten. I don't think he's added English since then. But for me, I, I you know what, I'd find a way to make it work, and I would go. I would probably, you know, I think if you offered him uh, enough money, uh, I, I mean, he's obviously done a great job with with Colombia, and I know now that they're in Copa America in twenty fifteen. If he could lead them to Copa America title in 2015 and end on that note, go swoop in Jose Peckerman. He'd be a great guy to kind of uh, come uh, link the the youth teams all the way up to the senior team. Uh, the, the language could thing could be an issue potentially, but uh, you know what? I think he's a guy that would be worth taking the chance on. Uh, if we want to talk about American coaches, um, that's an interesting one. I think you know, yeah, crisis. He's, he's, you know what? If, he, if he does well in NYCFC, three he'll, four he'll years be, from now, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a long time from now. Um, that's yeah, not that he, long from now. If he look, if he does well at NYCFC, he's going to Europe. So I mean, that's just that. Uh, yeah, you know, Peter Vermees. I like. If we're talking just MLS guys. I mean, I think Peter Vermees is a guy who, who I think would be an interesting uh, pick. I don't know if he would go that route. I think he likes the club setup. Um, and uh, how about a how about the Bruce Arena 2.0 uh, tour? How about that? <laughs> Let's get that going. Let's get the Bruce Arena uh, you know comeback tour. That that'd be an interesting one. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I still say. I'm trying to imagine that. Look, I still say ten years, like fifteen years from now, Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter will be national coach one day. I, I think he. I think right now he loves the club side, like the day to day club grind too much that. Yeah, he's not going to be a coach. He's not going to coach national teams anytime soon. But down the road, I think he could definitely be a guy. All right, well, one more question before we wrap up the show: If you had to change your name, what would you change it to? <laughs> that is a that's an interesting one because I actually have like a not norm like a not you know standard common name. You had Garrett's a pretty common name. It is um, there's plenty of Garrett's. Um, there's a million more Garrett's than there are Ivises. Let's just put it that way. 
Um, it's funny because when I was younger, I used to I used to change my name like just randomly. I used to like tell people my name was 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 like my brother's name is Anthony, so I used to tell people my name was Anthony. Um, I used to tell people my name was Carlos. My middle name's Carlos. Um, uh, if I, yeah, you know what? That's an interesting one. Interesting one. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, <laughs> it could be anything. Um, you could be like Blade, I, or well, like Kill, funny? or like Death. Like you know, it'd be kind of cool. Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, I like the name Alex. Actually, funny enough, I like the name Alex. I named my son Alex. My youngest son is named Alex. Um, so that that's a good one. Um, yeah, you know. That's a, that's a that's a good question. That's a good question. I probably you know what I would probably go Alex. I'd probably go Alex because then yeah I would I would go Alex probably. Right. Alex Galarza. So there you go. Oh, you wouldn't change your last name? Hey, what you, you like your name? Your last name? Your last name? What is that? I'm not trying. To, I just, would go by Chase Johnson. That's what that, I would do. <laughs> See, you just set yourself up right there. That's that's my alter ego. Is that your name or is that, that what you? do? That's my alter ego. Is that your name, or is that what you do? No, no. When you, uh, you know, well, the problem is with Garrett. I always respond to like Eric and Derek and Jarrett. So sometimes you just say Chase. Okay, for our listeners, clearly it's going to take a while for Garrett to get that joke. When he gets it, I'm sure he'll go back and edit edit this this segment. So you won't hear this anyway. That's actually a good point. No, I'll keep it on because I I that clearly went over my head. I'm thinking about this stuff. <laughs> All right, I, I would. I, you know what? I'm sure that name already exists in uh, alternative movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I would not change my last name. I would not change. It, so. Alex, I, you know what? Alex, Alex Pantosia, maybe. Uh, my father's, my father's name. It'd be a Latin name. I would go with a, with a Latin, very Latin name. Because I think, like my name growing up, people never knew what I was. People didn't know I was like Latino or. I had Peruvian background, so definitely like a more Latino name would have been interesting. So, but Alex, I would have gone Alex. I just searched yours and mine, our names, and uh, my name is listed in the U.S. and your name is not. So I guess you are right. My name is more popular. I guess <laughs> than yours. I've I've met maybe two Ibises in my entire life, or even heard of two like two or two or three Ibises in my entire life. Would you say to them, "Were you like you a hole? Why'd you steal my name?" Yeah, no. Well, you know, did I ever tell you the story of my name? No. Okay. So what happened was my, I think my grandfather, his name was Eve, like the French Eve, like Eve Saint Laurent, uh-huh. uh, Y V E S. So my mother wanted to name me after him. So what happened was when I was born, uh, when when she gave them the name, they they wrote the name the wrong way. So they wrote I V E S. And what do you like? What do you like being born at like Ellis Island? No, that's just how it was. That's how it was. That, that, that's yeah. So, so my name, that's why my name's so rare. It's like it was, it was a misspelling. So, um, so yeah, so that's why it's like pretty rare. So, and, and it's funny because I did name, even though my name, this, so I was actually supposed to be Eve, you know, which, you know, French, which I'm, I don't regret that change. Like, I'm glad that my name was spelled wrong. Nothing against anybody named Eve, but. I just don't think I don't think Eve would have worked for me growing up in the places that I grew up. <laughs> Ivis was nice and different. No one ever heard of Ivis, so that's all good. 
So and and the funny thing is, so I named my oldest son Ivis Junior, and he has already let me know he will not be naming his son Ivis the Third, even though I am threatening him daily to do it. But I don't think I think it's going to end with him. He's a kid, man. He'll he'll turn around. I know, I know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll work on him. I'll keep working on him. Yeah. All right, man. You got one more before you got to wrap up this wrap up the show. One more for you. Uh, one more for you. Um, if you, hmm. I'm trying to think, what's the what's the one job that you think would surprise people that you actually wouldn't have minded ended up doing in your life? Like, well, what's like what's that kind of career that? You, you 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 wouldn't mind you wouldn't have minded ending up in that career, and it might surprise people. Um, I think being a history teacher. <laughs> history teacher. Why you got, why you gotta make fun of me? What's wrong with that? That's yeah. Okay, I, 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 oh my god, you just made fun of me. God, why are you so mean? <laughs> I, you don't strike me as a history teacher. I I love history, history and geography. I love it. I mean, I spend hours upon hours just like studying maps. It's weird, but I love that stuff. That's the only thing better than that is 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 having like video of you pronouncing the names of these places because that's like your as much as you love maps and all this stuff. Like the, your pronunciations is not your strength. So I would I would pay anything to have you. No, pronounce. I'm we just should... no, I'm just really bad with names. It's just it's oh, names. So, oh, so you're it's not bad with people like, names. No, I'm great with countries cities i'm good with it's just people's names and it's it's like even just regular people on the street i don't know what it is i just have like clearly i missed that day of school where they taught you how to say people's names correctly right nice nice that's interesting yeah all right what about you uh that well i will just list the three jobs that i I probably would have had if i wasn't doing what i do now uh one would be a police officer (laughs) i would definitely have been a detective uh detective by now i've been you know what type of detective though like like uh It'd been murder like, police. You know, no, would you would you be um, like the detect? You know, a detective like training day detective who, who's nah. Denzel Washington. Nah, I'd be a good, I'd be good. I'd be. Yeah. A, I think I'd be a good detective. Uh, it's either that or school teacher. I think I could. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you just uh, made fun of me for being school teacher. And you, I, you but I actually teach people now. Like I I I I I have a whole bunch of people that I I work with. You don't teach have- me anything. I've taught you plenty. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, those two, and the third one would be uh, DJ, hip hop, hip hop DJ. I definitely, I definitely would would not have minded. I don't know how much money I would have made being a DJ, but uh, even to this day, if I had free time, like if I won the lottery, like I'd probably in my spare time be a DJ. Because I think, I think I would be. A what would your DJ name be? <laughs> You know, I should have one. I should have one. I don't. Mm, no. That's what you should work on, if anything. That should be your number one priority in your life is finding out what your DJ name should be. <laughs> DJ SBI. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> that wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. So, and I think I live out that kind of that that kind of DJ fantasy with the intro music on SBI. That's 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 where all all these all the tracks on SBI intros. That would be all the stuff I'd be playing on my in my old school hip hop sets. So there you go. I would play. I would specialize in in hip hop, uh, dance music, and and some Spanish. I'd have I'd be I'd be throwing some reggaeton in there. Uh, yeah, man. I, I you know what? Maybe I still will be a DJ. Yeah, maybe you should be. When I, after I sell SBI and I get out <laughs> of business, 
I'll be a DJ. That's not, that's never gonna happen. Don't kid yourself. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. All right, I was. Time, time, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Time to wrap up the show. You have an excellent week. We'll talk later this week because you know we have to preview the Panama match. Yes, sir. Hopefully, we will have a show between now and uh, the weekend. Uh, I'll be in LA. I get to LA on Thursday, so hopefully Thursday night we can do another show um, and preview the game. Maybe we'll have a we'll get somebody on, get a guest on. That'd be good. Yeah, that would be very good. And you'll be on uh, Pacific time too, which would be quite nice. Yeah, but you know what? I'll still be trying to do the show late, and you'll still be falling asleep by like 11 p.m. Lo- 10 p.m. local time. I, I don't. I don't fall asleep that early. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't fall asleep. I'm, I'm awake right now. You're good at that. All right, Davis. You have a good rest of the week. <laughs> you too. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments, the reviews. That is Ivis Glarsev. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>